This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Disney Fantasy this week. Also, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. If you have a nose for news, cruiseradio.net, actually cruiseradio.com now too, because a guy finally sold me that domain after 10 years, or subscribe to our daily Cruise Radio News audio briefs. It's opposite of this. Just search Cruise Radio News where you listen to your favorite podcast. A quick mention here, if you haven't listened to our last episode of Cruise Radio Rewind over the weekend, episode number 42, it's titled Go Into the Cruise Ship Graveyard with Peter Canego, and he really pulled out all the stops on this interview and shared exactly what it was like being one of the last people on board a cruise ship before it gets deconstructed. So if you haven't checked that episode out, I implore you to check that out and uh, let me know what you think of it, Doug at CruiseRadio.net. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hello, Doug. Looks like Carnival successfully raised funds to help weather the financial storm. And they did. And so the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia now owns 8.2% of Carnival Corporation stock. It will cost Carnival Corporation nearly $1 billion a month to have all their ships in, as they call, voluntary suspension. So the the cruise corporation needed to quickly raise funding. And apparently the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund now holds over 43 million shares of the cruise company stock for a tune of about $430 million. And they are now the second largest shareholder of Carnival stock. So Carnival Corporation issued $500 million worth of new shares of stock in their company and sold them for $8 a share. The Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund was established in 1971 to provide financing support for projects to bolster their national economy. It looks like the CDC has released some new guidelines if you're on a cruise ship and it's caught in a COVID-19 outbreak. Yes, they did. And it does put a lot of responsibility onto the cruise line from the way I read this. So from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, cruise lines now have new guidelines, as you mentioned, to bring passengers home following sailings that are impacted by COVID-19. So basically, it is passengers with no or mild symptoms will be disembarked as quickly and safely as possible at a U.S. port of entry. That's number one. Cruise lines are responsible for getting travelers, including those who are not ill or showing symptoms, directly to their homes via chartered or private transportation, meaning that you cannot just put them on commercial flights, as we know has been done before, or on public transportation. And this is going to be really expensive for the cruise lines, as you can imagine. The guidelines also state that passengers on impacted ships who display no symptoms should put on a mask or, as they say, a cloth face covering that will be issued by the cruise line before they disembark. And the cloth has to remain in place until they reach their home. Once off the ship, passengers are instructed that they should remain at least six feet apart from non-traveling partners and, if possible, sit with their traveling partners Uh, whenever they can finally get a seat together. Um, If you're sick on the way home, 
You are now expected to notify the medical or the quarantine staff and one's home. You are expected to self-isolate for 14 days. It also says that the cruise company should not distribute N95 respirator masks to passengers or crew if there is an outbreak. And they have some more, more details in their new um, statement, but you can always go to the CDC site and look up whatever details I didn't cover. Yeah, I feel like this rule, these new policies are going to be very fluid as we keep disembarking people around the world. And we're going to talk about this next. Um, So actually, let's talk about it now, then we'll kind of go back to this. But it looks like both Holland America ships and Coral Princess successfully made it back to Florida. Yeah, and this happened last week. So Zondam and Rotterdam were both able to dock last Thursday, and that's following nearly a month of being turned away from one port after another the poor Holland America Zondam finally met up with Rotterdam, who came to the rescue basically with supplies and provisions. And so from the Zondam, they boarded 808 guests and 583 crew members onto Rotterdam. So that left Zondam with 442 guests and 603 crew members. And then, as I mentioned last Thursday, both ships were given permission to dock late afternoon in Port Everglades in Florida. Then finally, on Saturday morning, Coral Princess, with 1,020 guests and 878 crew members, was permitted to dock at Port Miami. Back to the CDC thing for a second. I feel like this is all going to be very fluid as we're dealing with the federal, the state, and the local level, because you're dealing with the federal, which is CDC, then the state, which is like the governor, and then the local level, which is the mayor, and everyone kind of has to agree on everything or we'll have a, another incident where they, you know, they weren't going to let the Zandam and Rotterdam dock until the president stepped in last week. So we'll probably see a lot of changes because we haven't seen this in like 100 years, right? Yeah, and, and these cruise lines, well, Holland America was around back then, but certainly this didn't happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's probably going to change five more times before we start sailing again. And it looks like three ships were ordered by the state to leave the port last week. Yep. Cruise ships docked at Gulfport, Mississippi, were ordered to leave their berths by close of business last Friday. And that order follows on the heels of Mississippi's governor, who issued a shelter in place that would begin Friday at 5 p.m. And it is scheduled to continue through April 20th. So backing up nearly a month ago on March 13th, the port of Gulfport allowed three ships to stay docked during their voluntary suspension. And that included Carnival Valor, Carnival Freedom, and Royal Caribbean's Majesty of the Seas. But on Friday, they all departed the port and headed out to sea. At this time, Majesty of the Seas is tied up in Galveston while Carnival Valor and Carnival Freedom still remain at sea. And our last talking point here, cruise lines are having these really fun virtual events to help cruisers pass the time until we can cruise again. I know Tuesday, Carnival Cruise Line did a virtual deck party with their cruise director, Matt Mitchum, and he had a few thousand people tuning into that one. Uh, What else are we seeing out there? Yeah, so this really is its pleasant escapism over at several of the cruise line's websites. And as you mentioned, Carnival, they're also rerunning their 2016 two-and-a-half-minute virtual cruise experience. But what's really cool about this is it's a 360-degree video, and it's accessible from Carnival's YouTube channel. So you watch the movie, and you know, you're looking straight ahead at the, the bow of the ship if you're on deck. But they're talking about the sunset, so you know the light bulb went off, and I took my mouse, and sure enough, you can 
you can move the screen around so you can see the sunset that they're talking about. So I think it was really well done. I sort of enjoyed it for a few few seconds there. Yeah. And then one of Royal Caribbean's cruise directors has started his own on-air cruise experience. His name is Abe Hughes, and he's hosting a virtual cruise named, what else, Virtual of the Seas, where he's promoting social engagement with trivia, cruisers, ship cocktail photos, and a lot more things that are basically interactive. You can find Virtual of the Seas on his Facebook page, which is forward slash cruise director Abe Hughes, and also through the Twitter hashtag Virtual of the Seas. Holland America has created Hal at Home that will feature, of course, activities that you can experience on board a Holland America ship. Their first venture is a cooking demonstration by one of their culinary council chefs, Eric Stowell, and his garlic, chili, and anchovy spaghetti dish. You can access the upcoming Hal at Home videos. Again, it's on Hal America's YouTube channel. And, you know, I, I got this in the, an email last week about this, and I thought, great, I've got everything in my pantry. I can try to make this. And I looked at the tins of anchovies that I had, and I just, just bought them but they had expired last year. So I have to do that next time. But anyway, it was just really, it looked really good. So you might want to take a look at that. Something to do just to pass the time while we are all at home. Listener question comes from Kennedy. We are scheduled to get married on June 6th, and our honeymoon is a Eastern Caribbean carnival cruise this fall. We booked the cruise almost two years ago under my maiden name. By the time we sail, my ID and passport will both have my new married name. Is the cruise line going to charge me to change from my maiden name to my married name on the reservation? P.S. Thank you for all you and your team do. Well, hi, and congratulations on your upcoming wedding. So I did call Carnival just to double check. You know, I always second, I don't want to second guess anything really. And here's what I was told. So as soon as you can, uh, before final payment, if possible, and it sounds like it still is, just call Carnival or have your travel agent, if you book through a travel agent, call Carnival with your booking number and just change your last name. There's no change fee to do this. Uh, the sooner you do it, the better is what they told me. So that's all I can go by is what they said when I called and I spoke with the reservation agent. But don't wait till the last minute. I mean, if, if you know your documents are going to be in your new last name, then just go ahead and change it and you'll, you'll be all set. And you don't have to worry about it. That's my advice. So even if you've already paid final payment where the cruise lines are sticklers to charging you after you made that final payment, you could still change this. That's what she told me. Okay. I, and, and she went on to say, just do it before you fly to the port, which, oh. you know, talk about last minute. And yeah. I know there's at least <laughs> 72 hours that you have to have it done by. So I would always advise doing it before final payment, just in case something should change between now and then. Or as soon as you can. And then you don't have to worry about a change fee. The, the only reason Carnival charges a change fee is if one of the two passengers is a new passenger. So that would be like a total name change. And then there could be a fee for that. Just to change your last name, you're all, you're all set. No problem. Fair enough. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Sherry, thank you so much and stay safe. You too, Doug. Thanks so much. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio.
A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer, if you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Jessica recently returned from a seven-night cruise on Disney Fantasy from Port Canaveral. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Doug. So from what I gather, this is a pretty exciting cruise for you, not only because of the week-long cruise, but also you were sandwiched between a couple of storms out there, right? Yeah, so we were going down to Florida right when Dorian was supposed to be a direct hit on Central Florida, and then uh, we were kind of skirting Hurricane Humberto on the way back, which made things pretty interesting. Yeah, it sounds like it. Before we get to the ship itself, we'll take a step back. Give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this seven-nighter on Disney Fantasy? A lot of things played into it. Um, My 30th birthday was coming up, so I wanted to do something a little different. We'd been on Fantasy a couple times before, but we'd never done Eastern, so that was exciting. This was also a Halloween-themed cruise, which we'd never done before, so that played into it. It really checked a lot of boxes. It was also um, over my husband's birthday, mm-hmm. and I had a onboard booking burning a hole in my pocket, so <laughs> um, it fit the bill. Now, I have a question, because I've never sailed on Disney Cruise Line. I know like before you go to Disney World, they send you kind of a welcome kit with your magic band and all that stuff. Do you get any kind of pre-cruise paperwork in the mail from Disney? They used to send you a ton of stuff and they don't do that anymore. You know, everyone's trying to be a little more sustainable. Mm -hmm. They do still send you luggage tags. I know most other cruise lines don't do that anymore. You have to print your own. Disney still sends you luggage tags and they do send you. It's just a little like sheet of paper that kind of goes over your booking and how to get to the port and all that good stuff. But they still send you something in the mail, but it's definitely not like it used to be. You're just outside of Detroit. You make your way down to Orlando. Any pre-cruise time either in Orlando or at Port Canaveral? Here's our uh, great adventure. We were planning to spend three nights at Disney. And we were actually bringing my mom with us for our pre-cruise stay. But like I said before, Dorian was barreling its way towards Florida. And... And we usually fly Delta and Delta kept issuing travel advisories for Orlando. And so after a couple different flight changes, we ended up actually flying into Tampa (laughs) because that seemed pretty safe from the hurricane. And as we know now, it wasn't a direct hit on Central Florida. We could Mm -hmm. have kept our original flight, but we ended up flying into Tampa. And then the next morning we drove over to Disney and we did two nights at Disney before we went over to Port Canaveral. Did you stay on, uh, on property at Disney? Yeah, we stayed at the Polynesian. Oh, jealous. I'm actually going to (laughs) Ohana in a couple of weeks for the first time. So 
Oh, Hana's great. Yeah, I've never been there before, so excited about that. But uh, all right, so you make your way to the cruise port. How was embarkation once you got to Port Canaveral? Slow. I'm used to it being slow on Disney, um, especially since we usually get to the port very early. But this was unusual. We were in a lift on the way to the to the terminal, and there was just this huge backup of cars trying to get in there. So that took a long time. And then we finally got checked in, and I'm a Platinum Castaway Club member. That's their loyalty program. So mm-hmm. it took me no time at all to check in. But normally, Disney starts boarding around... I don't know, 1130, but it was well afternoon and they still hadn't started boarding yet, which was really unusual. But we thought maybe because it was the first Halloween cruise, they were taking their time putting up the decorations. I don't know. But um, we did sit in the terminal for quite a while before we could get on the ship. Did you ever figure out why it was delayed once you got on board? You know, I should have asked and I never did. Gotcha. So you make your way on board Disney Fantasy. What were your first impressions? Well, this was our third time on the Fantasy, so it's pretty familiar. But you know, even so, there's nothing like walking into that huge atrium with uh, the crews standing there applauding you and you know announcing everyone's mm-hmm. names coming on. So that's always pretty cool. And since I am a Platinum Castaway Club member, we were one of the first on board. So the ship was pretty empty for us for a while. Um, we went straight to Cabana's, which is the buffet, and we ate and just kind of sat around till our room was ready. You say you're a Castaway Platinum Club member. Does Disney do their program by like how many cruises you take or how many days you sail? So another way that Disney's still pretty different from other cruise lines, they go by the number of cruises you take. Okay. So um, for Platinum, it's 10 Disney cruises. Okay. That's like what Carnival used to be, 10 cruises you become platinum and then they switched it over to uh mm-hmm. how many days you sail i think it's like 75 now for platinum or something like that um mm-hmm. very nice so you make your way to your stateroom what kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it we got just a regular uh, veranda balcony room it was on deck 10 forward it was right underneath the spa so it was really quiet it was right next to the elevator bank so You'd think that might be kind of noisy, but it was very quiet and it was very convenient too. It was real easy to just pop up one floor, go to the spa, go to the beverage station, you know, get coffee, whatever. Disney's staterooms are pretty big compared to other cruise lines. But right before this cruise, not right before, but a few months before, we took our first Royal Caribbean cruise and we went in a junior suite. And so this room seemed a little... A little small by comparison. We're a little spoiled now, but it was a good room. Lots of storage. I love the split bath that Disney does. It's really convenient. And yeah, no complaints. This ship was launched right around like on the cusp of either the rooms have USBs or they don't. Does this one have USBs in the room? I can't remember. Um, We always take our USB hubs. So that's not as big of a concern. Yeah, I'm not sure. The The outlet situation in general is pretty poor, though. Yeah, I gotcha. So let's talk about dining on Disney Fantasy. Of course, Disney does rotational dining. So how does that work on a seven-night cruise? Are you going to each restaurant twice and then actually you're going to one three times? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. You do the three restaurants, and they all have their own unique menu. So you do those the first three nights, and then... 
you go to a different restaurant, which is one you've already been to before, and it might be the pirate night menu if it's pirate night. Um, they have a few other themed menus, but um, yeah, that's exactly how it works. And, you know, the servers rotate with you, which is pretty neat. Are the restaurants themed or is it like if you're in one of the three restaurants, each restaurant is serving the same menu that night? They are themed. The restaurants themselves are themed. So you've got Royal Court. I had to think about that for a second because it's similar on the dream. But Royal Court is kind of like a French fancy looking restaurant. There's Enchanted Garden. And then there's Animator's Palette, which has um, like it's kind of like a dinner show, which is really neat. And each one of those dining rooms has its own menu. But you only get the unique menu the first time you dine there so the next time you're in there you have a themed menu that's probably the same across the whole ship if that makes any sense yeah for sure how was the service and food service was wonderful Uh, service is always wonderful on disney and i don't know that totally makes it worth the price but disney's service in general is just second to none the food though I will say I've been on 12 Disney cruises now and the food on this particular sailing was probably the worst I've ever had on Disney. I was really disappointed. Why was that? I mean, did you just like, was the quality not there or the the selection? The, The quality wasn't there. I mean, they've had the same menus for years. So, you know, after having gone so many times, it's a little stale, but the, the quality wasn't there. Food came out cold. Mm took forever and yeah I, I i don't know what the deal was you know we we had a facebook group for our sailing and a lot of people kind of said the same thing so it wasn't just me yeah interesting let's talk about the buffet area on disney fantasy how was the selection and food up there i really like disney's buffet um their buffet is cabanas and there's a lot of space which i really like i've been to buffets that have been really cramped but There's a lot of space to spread out. You're not on top of people, which is really nice. Um, The selection is really good, and the quality is pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. Of all the the cruise lines I've been on, I think Disney has the best buffet. Did you do any specialty restaurants or brunches during your seven-night cruise? Yeah, so um, since I am a Platinum Castaway Club member... They do give you one complimentary meal at Palo, mm-hmm. which is one of their specialty restaurants. So we always do Palo brunch on sea day. And that was by far the best meal we had on the cruise. The service in there is just incredible. The food is so good. And I'm still thinking about the lasagna I had in there. That does sound really good. Do they serve like crab legs at their brunch? Yes. Yes, nice. they do. Oh, I'd be in heaven there. All right. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the entertainment. Of course, Disney always outdoes themselves, usually on entertainment. How was your experience? Disney's entertainment is really good, especially if you have families. But I will say we were a couple traveling without children, and it's a little underwhelming for us. So I'm not going to knock Disney's entertainment by any means because we're not the target audience, and I know that, and that's fine. But the shows in the main theater are just, you know, not really our style. We usually head for the the comedians and, and game shows that they have in the club later at night. Though these days I'm, you know, I'm 30 now. I'm, I'm becoming elderly and <laughs> 1045 is past my bedtime. So right. I haven't 
haven't done a lot of that lately, but um, in general, their, their entertainment's really good. And I love that they have a movie theater on board. That is, you know, I haven't seen that on any other cruise ship. So that's really convenient. There's something about hitting 30 that you hit a brick wall with <laughs> wanting to go to bed earlier and hangovers last a lot longer than they used to. Yep. <laughs> totally. Um, how about like the, uh, they have that, like an adults only district type area. Did you go through there at all? Yeah. So like I said, the comedians and the game shows and stuff, that's where they have them. They're mm-hmm. in the um, quite a large club area for adults. Um, their big club venue is called the Tube. So it's mm-hmm. themed like the London Underground, which is really, really cool. So most of the adult shows and events are in there or in the pub. And so we spent a lot of time down there. Um either for the shows or for trivia. We did a lot of trivia. And yeah, that was kind of our hangout for a lot of the cruise. Very cool. Disney doesn't have casinos, do they? They do not. Okay. Then we'll skip right over that question. And we'll go (laughs) right into sea days as far as crowds and congestion. I normally brag to people about how I feel Disney's larger ships really absorb the crowds well. And it's hard to tell how many people are on board. But Man, this cruise, the pool decks were just mobbed. And maybe that's because it was early September and it was ridiculously hot. But yeah, there were just people everywhere, especially the adult-only areas. Because that's another thing about Disney, because so many people are traveling with kids. They're traveling as a family. The adult areas are usually a little less crowded, which is nice, but... Yeah, even the adult area was just packed. Is there like a divider between the adults area? Like, is it monitored or could an adult bring their kids into the adults area if they wanted to? Major design flaw of this ship is that the adult area, there is a divider, Mm -hmm. but it's also right next to the forward elevator lobby. So you see a lot of kids like uh, passing through with their parents Mm -hmm. and- Usually they're pretty well behaved and that's great, but sometimes they're not and it's not, not so serene. So I hope that when Disney comes out with their new ships that they address that. Yeah. So what ports of call did you hit? Give us a highlight from each port. So our first port was Tortola and the Virgin Islands in general are just so beautiful. So it was just great to just kind of sit and and look at stuff honestly but for Tortola we took an excursion to Yost Van Dyke it was a long ferry ride it was completely beautiful I mean the the ocean is just so blue and it's so beautiful and scenic we spent a lot of time at Soggy Dollar yes (laughs) um which was awesome and we we got a souvenir to bring back home but it was so dang hot that's going to be a a theme of all these ports it was so hot Uh, we were riding back on the ferry and I was just I was sitting in the sun and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I just felt like I was going to pass out and did not feel good so that was not fun but other than that the excursion was good Yost Van Dyke when I was just saying how hangovers last longer after 30 that's one of the ports that it really hit me on because (laughs) you're bound to have a good time going to Yost Van Dyke yeah, 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 for sure. It was a lot of fun. Did you book so, it through the cruise line or on your own? 
Uh, we did it through the cruise line. I'm still too chicken to do gotcha. it on my own. I'm always worried that we're going to miss the ship. So <laughs> I just play it safe. Fair enough. What was the next port of call? The next port of call was St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. And for this one, we took an excursion to St. John for an eco hike through the national park. And my husband and I are not super outdoorsy people, but I researched it ahead of time. It wasn't a super long hike. It said it wasn't a difficult hike. And I said, okay, this should be fine. This will be a nice way to go through the national park. But I didn't realize how rocky it would be. So we, I spent more time trying not to trip than actually really enjoying the scenery. And again, it was really hot. And on our way back to the ferry to get back to St. Thomas, my husband tripped and fell and got a huge gash on his leg, which he still has a scar from. So that was fun. And then um, once we got back to St. Thomas, we walked around the immediate port area just for a little bit. And then we got back on the ship. Did he have to go to the infirmary or anything? It wasn't bad enough for that, though we didn't have any like antibiotic cream or anything. So we did actually pop in there and just ask if they had something we could buy. And they gave us some iodine wipes for free, which was really great. So I'm glad we weren't scared to go in there because I've heard horror stories of people getting charged thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. to go to the medical center. So you went to Tortola, St. Thomas. What was next? The last port of call was Castaway Key, which is Disney's private island. First of all, we docked late because this is when Humberto started kind of approaching and sea conditions were pretty rough. I'm not sure exactly why, but the pier is very, it's hard to dock at unless the sea is calm. It's not windy. And so it took them a few tries to be able to dock there. And I think we finally docked around 1130. We were supposed to dock around like 830. So a few hours late. And we walked over to Serenity Bay, which is the adults only beach area, Mm -hmm. mainly just to eat because they have, I guess, special food at the adult buffet that they don't have at the main buffet. So we usually go over there to eat. We didn't end up going swimming. The, we were probably the second ship to dock at Castaway Key since Dorian because Castaway Key is in the Abacos, which got completely nailed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we were probably the second ship back and the beach had just eroded so bad. There was maybe eight feet of beach and we decided, eh, just not going to bother. So we just went back onto the ship. Have you swam in the past? Yeah, yeah, we have. Are there like underwater statues or anything like wrecks or anything you could check out? Yeah, they have those. I think they're more um, on the family side. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff underwater to look at. I know a lot of people like to go snorkeling in the family beach um, because there's a lot to look at, but not so much on the adult side. Gotcha. So you make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was disembarkation? For this cruise, it was a huge ordeal. I don't know what was going on. Um, We did pull into port a little bit late, probably because of Humberto. The night before was just so windy. We were walking around up on deck, and 
I could feel my legs blowing when I lifted them up. It was that windy. Wow. And so, yeah, we were trying to disembark. We never heard any announcements of when we could get off the ship. So that was odd. And this massive line starts forming in the atrium, wrapping all the way around to the front of the ship. It was just complete chaos. So I think we finally were able to get off the ship somewhere around 9, 9.30. Wow. Okay. Sounds like Disney wasn't on their A game on this sailing for you. No, they weren't. And, you know, we have been pretty loyal Disney cruisers because it's usually worth the extra cost. The service Mm -hmm. is great. The experience is great. We always have a good time. But I was really surprised by this particular sailing. It just it wasn't it wasn't up to standards for us. Well, looking back on this cruise, do you have any first-time tips to offer for either Sailing Disney Fantasy or the Eastern Caribbean? I see a lot of first-time Disney cruisers panic like on Facebook groups and stuff because they aren't able to reserve everything in advance Mm -hmm. because uh, the the way Disney's uh, advanced booking works, the Castaway Club levels have priority over stuff. So platinum would get to book first, then a few days later, gold can book and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. First time cruisers kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to booking, you know, specialty dining or character greetings or, you know, stuff like that. But I see a lot of first timers worry about that because they aren't able to get everything they wanted. Mm -hmm. And I would just tell them it's okay. You're still going to have a great time. You can still check on board to see if anything opened up. And even if it didn't, I mean, you're on a Disney cruise. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. What was the biggest highlight for you on this seven night cruise? Honestly, probably Soggy Dollar, (laughs) which makes me sound like an alcoholic, but I'm not. I just (laughs) I really, really liked that painkiller. Yeah. I tell everyone they're like, what's your favorite spot in the Caribbean? It's always Joost van Dyke. Like, just take that. 45 minute ferry ride over there and just enjoy the day because it is amazing. Yeah, Uh, for sure. In closing here, what are your final thoughts of Disney fantasy? Like I said, we are loyal to Disney. I'm always going to love Disney. They're near and dear to my heart. But after 12 cruises now, I think we're going to take a little break until their new ships come out and uh, try a couple new cruise lines. We've got a carnival booked this year, so we'll see how that goes. What ship are you doing? Panorama. Okay. It's a good ship. Very nice. Yeah. We've been talking with Jessica about her seven-night cruise on Disney Fantasy. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks for having me, Doug. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. Ba-ba-ba-da-ba-da. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.